This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill. We've got Charlie Melton to help us out. Welcome back, Charlie. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. You know, I think uh, we're both a year older (laughs) when you were with us last year. So that means you've been a mechanic for over 30 years and with 18 of those years at the Clinton High School's Career Complex. Yes, that is true. So what what are your kids working on this month in the shop? Well, we're learning about electric. The kids are learning about electrical, and they are learning about engine performance Okay. this year, talking about a whole bunch of sensors. Excellent. So today, we're going to talk about what repairs you might be able to tackle yourself between the vehicle repair questions. I am... I don't know, scale of 1 to 10, maybe I'm a 3 on the uh, repairing the car things. I guess one thing that I can do is replace windshield wipers. That's a pretty easy job. <laughs> so if, if someone's windshield wipers are, what, what, what's a sign that they need to be replaced? Uh, the rubber starts coming off them or the wind starts streaking every time the weather comes. It rains and the wind starts streaking, then that's time to replace those windshield wipers. Okay. What's another really easy thing that a person could do by themselves, maybe if they listened to us or watched a video? What's another really easy thing to do? I would say your air filter is probably the easiest. Oh, okay. See, I've kind of been, now the cabin or the engine air filter? Uh, both of them are pretty easy. The cabin filter is usually behind the glove box. Okay. And you just pull the glove box down uh-huh. and there's a little door and you just pull the filter out, replace it with another. Oh. Takes about five minutes. Wow. Okay. Well, now here's, here's my question. I have, and you, you know, you may or may not know this. I have a 2006 Dodge Grand Caravan and at some point I thought they said you had to take the whole dashboard off to get to it. No. You okay. never had to. It makes it very simple to pull the cabin filters off because either they're behind the glove box or they're right inside the engine right there at the cowl of the car. Okay. Very <gasps> simple. Oh, I'm going to try that one. Oh my goodness. I'm going to try that one. Okay. So uh, replacing the air filter. Uh, what's another one that folks could probably do with a little prompting? I would think if you wanted to check your battery. I think the battery, so many people neglect the battery, I think that would be the easiest thing next to do is check your battery. Okay, now I did the wrong thing one time. <laughs> I have replaced a battery. Uh, being with Allison, she's a big uh, proponent of before you go replacing things willy-nilly, make sure that thing is the thing that needs to be replaced. But I was in the Murrah High School parking lot and took out my daughter's battery and then went to a place and got another battery and and came back and and put it in. So I have, and I but I read like the instructions on how to do that safely. Um, how do you know when a, a battery? What what could you use to test it to see if a battery needs to be replaced? Well, the thing is, a lot of times your check engine light would come on or your battery light would come on your dash, and as it comes on the dash, you know there's something wrong with the charging system. I'll give you a little good example about a young man uh, this week at school. He took a 
battery, uh, and the battery was going bad. He had to jump it off every day, and he came to the shop, and we put a multimeter on it, and we checked his alternator. His alternator was putting out about 14.7 volts, and that's good, and I told him it was the battery, somewhere around the battery. So he leaves the shop, and he decides to take it to the auto parts store, and the auto parts store told him it was an alternator. Oh. And so he brought it back to me, and I told him, I said, no, it's your battery. We'll check it one more time. And it ended up being a $2 part for the battery cable. It was corroded. Okay. Now, I know when we had a battery corrosion problem and you can buy like these little bristle brushes that are on the outside that you you like put it over the terminal and a bristle brush kind of cleans off the coating is that a good thing to do or if you've got gunk then there's a problem the easiest way to clean a battery and this is what i show my students at school is that you crank the vehicle up you take a little bit of water and you pour it on the battery post and it will eat all that corrosion off that battery but not coca-cola Never Coca-Cola. My daughter just had somebody pour a whole Coke on her battery terminal this week. And I told her, I said, that was not the way to go. Okay. You heard it here, folks. Do not pour the Coca-Cola on the battery. Just do water. We're talking about what repairs you might be able to tackle yourself between your vehicle repair questions. Uh, Here's one that, that I've done and I taught all my kids to do is changing a flat tire. Changing a flat tire, um, yes, that's an easy thing, but you want to make sure that your car has a spare tire. Yeah, that we're, we're in the 21st century. Right. A lot of cars do not, uh, manufacturers do not have spare tires. They use a air compressor and a bottle of foam for the tire. Okay. That's commonly one of the brands is Fix-A-Flat. Mm-hmm. So you might need to keep that in the car. Do the... Do the auto dealers at least give you a free can of fix-a-flat in the trunk? They put that in there with the compressor. Okay. Now, another thing you can think about, too, a lot of cars today are using run-flat tires, and that means that the tire, you could have a blowout, and it will run for about 50 or 60 miles so you can get somewhere so they can fix that tire. And when it... When you go 50 or 60 miles, how, how do you need to drive? About 50 miles an hour. <laughs> so, uh, not naming any names, my third child. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drive 70 on the interstate with a spare tire or a fix-a-flat. And then we have some tires that are called, they self-seal. So, if you puncture a tire, run over a nail, the tire will seal itself. So, they're making a lot of tires now where you do not have to fix the flat what they just won't come up with now that's right okay give it hit, hit me with another one that's a kind of easy fix for someone if uh they were shown how to do they might be able to do uh replacing headlight bulbs in a uh, composite type headlight uh that means that it's just the bulb you don't replace the uh, headlight itself you're just replacing the bulb and usually there's a little cover on the back of the light and you could just pull that cover out, and it usually has a little screw there, or it twists in and out. But you want to make sure that you never touch the light bulb itself with your hands because of the oil on your hands. That means the light will blow out a lot quicker. 
bing, 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 bing. That was on my list. That, <laughs> that's one of the things I could do. And I was sort of proud. I was visiting my mom, and my brother couldn't do it. Uh, I think his hands were too big. This was a Toyota Camry, maybe, and you had to kind of stick your hand. Folks at home, you can't see me. I am sticking my elbow up in the air and turning my hand sideways to kind of reach around behind so that you can get a good grip on the bulb from the, the, the backside. You need to be a little contortionist there right. trying to turn and right. move. All right. Okay, let's uh, let's do uh, let's do one more. What's another super, um, pretty easy thing for someone to replace themselves? Another thing, you could do brakes, uh, disc brakes. And doing disc brakes, you just have to be careful because on a lot of cars, you cannot do the brakes due to they have to turn in the caliper instead of turning, uh, pushing in the piston. You have to turn it in. So you guys, that'll take a little bit more, but you can watch a video or somebody just lead you, and you can do those pretty simple. When you're watching or looking for a video of here's a guy replacing a X, Y, Z. What should you look at for that kind of individual so you know that that video person knows how to do it? Can you think of anything? Make sure you, he's not using a hammer. <laughs> because I see a lot of people use a hammer. That's the first thing. It don't move. They start hitting it with a hammer. Do not use a hammer on the vehicle. <laughs> so that's one of the main things. Okay. <laughs> Watch the video. If there's a hammer in the video, you need to find a different video. That's about it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Let's go to Steve in Memphis. Steve, thanks so much for calling into AutoCorrect today. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I've got a 2013 Chevy Tahoe, and i got a home device on it, and it's apt to my phone, and it's telling me i got a bad oxygen sensor, and I was wondering how do you find out which oxygen sensor it is? Okay, most of the time on the uh, scan tool or the uh, app that you have will either say bank one or bank two, upstream or downstream. Now, the upstream oxygen sensor is really the one that you're really worried about. That is the one that controls the air-fuel ratio of the vehicle. The downstream checks the catalytic converter and making sure that the emissions are correct. But most of the time, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's saying something about my exhaust system with it, so I didn't know. Okay, it's according which, like say, if it's saying something about the exhaust system, that's probably the downstream, and it's probably saying catalyst insufficient. And if Uh it's saying catalyst insufficient, it's talking about the catalyst converter is not... Uh, recycling the emissions the way it should be, and that check engine light will come on about 75% uh, when something's wrong with the catalytic converter. Should I replace the oxygen sensor, or I need to check in my catalytic converter? I would. Uh, it's a lot cheaper to replace the uh, oxygen sensor than it is to replace that catalytic converter. So I would do that because it could just be a lazy oxygen sensor. That means that it's not working like it should. It's working sometimes, it's not working others. And you usually change oxygen sensors, all of them at one time. Don't just replace one, replace all of them at one time because if there's any contamination whatsoever coming to the exhaust, if it's coolant or if it's some kind of sealer, oil, they will uh, read bad. Okay, well, I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> all right, thanks. Thank you. 
if that last call did not uh, show that Charlie Melton knows what he's talking about and I have no idea what he said, then uh, you know we've got a good one here today, folks. You can send us an email with your questions, auto at mpbonline.org. We're going to continue our discussion of easy repairs when we come back from our break. Is your car under recall? We have a list of ones that are in just a bit. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. We are the Iuka Drive-In Theater. We're the last operating drive-in in the state of Mississippi. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Freaked me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie outside. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. listening to AutoCorrect. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with my special guest host today, Charlie Melton, Master ASE Technician. Now, if you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast on all the platforms that are for your smart device. Here are the recalls for the last two weeks. (coughs) We've got 139,000 Toyota cars, SUVs, and EVs. We did a, uh, Charlie, we did a acronym show, so I know that EVs are electronic vehicles. Uh, There's also two point, a different one for 2.9 million Toyota cars and hybrids. I'm thinking those were some of the airbag recalls. Uh, We got a lot, so I didn't put all the reasons why. The 2020 Hyundai Konas, the 2003 and 2004 Pontiac Vibe, the 2014 and 15 Cadillac Cadillac CTS, and the 2020 Jeep Wrangler. Now, you can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration's website, that's nhtsa.gov slash recall, and you just put in your VIN number. We're talking about easy repairs. We're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Uh, Charlie teaches at the career complex at Clinton Public Clinton High School, so he teaches the kids there. And you have you mentioned your your daughter with the battery, so you've got kids of your own. I do have kids of my own, and as teaching these students, uh, it's it's a job, and we really teach safety a lot. And I was going to talk about a little of the safety, uh, especially when you said something about electric vehicle. You know, electric vehicles uh, they're hybrid vehicles. Uh, some of them got an electric uh, motor, and they have a gasoline or combustible 
rifle motor. And a lot of times people start getting under the hood and they don't understand that it has a 12 volt battery, but it has a high voltage battery. And the high voltage battery, and you can always look for it, it has a orange cable, a big orange cable, and that always tells you that it's high voltage and you need to be very careful, even if you're doing brakes or anything on one of those type of vehicles. Don't pour Coke over your high voltage vehicle yeah, cable. Yeah, don't do that. No. <laughs> If you ever have a question for uh, AutoCorrect, we'd love for you to email at any time, auto at mpbonline.org. Let's, uh, let's go with some more easy repairs. One thing that I have done is I know where the fuse boxes are. You know, sometimes uh, there's one maybe in the cabin and possibly under the dashboard or over by the glove box, and then there's one inside, and I know usually they have extra fuses, so that's something, you if something doesn't work, you can try to replace the fuse or look to see if it's blown. Well, that's a good thing if you're talking about fuses that, uh, matter of fact, I'm teaching that in the school right now to my students about the amperage rating of fuses. You do not ever replace one amperage with a higher or lower amperage fuse. Color-coded, folks. Color-coded fuses, and make sure you put it back with the same color. Uh, you just want to make sure that you have a fuse panel on the under the hood, most likely under the dash on the left side and in the glove box. And there are some in the back of the trunk if you have oh, a car okay. in the back of the trunk as well. Okay. And there are relays right along with them. So if a fuse did not work, it could be the relay as well. And a lot of times, is this old school? Did they used to have a fuse puller, or does that come with a kit? Uh, they still have a fuse puller. Some of them are still put in the car, but most of them come with a kit. Okay. Now, is there any safety thing you need to know when you're checking to see if you're replacing, swapping out fuses other than the color coding, make sure, like and like? Uh, just make sure that you put it back where it belongs because a lot of people take fuses out and there's a lot of blank uh, places where fuses go and they put it in the wrong slot. Yeah, no. <laughs> so you want to make sure. So if it didn't work, you need to just make sure you put it back in the wrong right slot. Methodical would yes. be a good a good term for that. Yes. All right. That ends my <laughs> that ends a lot of my automotive repair uh, accomplishments. Tell me tell me some more. What's maybe the next thing I could maybe be thinking about? Let's talk about a fuel filter. There are fuel filters out there still that are on the rail or on the frame of the vehicle, and as the fuel filter. It, some of them just unscrews uh, the lines unscrew, but a lot of them now will take uh, a certain tool to undo the line, and then a lot of them now are in the fuel tank itself. So fuel filters are pretty hard to change anymore. So I wouldn't really mess with that if you didn't have a older vehicle now. All right, right, but uh, learning. What you can do with your car, that can save you money. Lots of money. Because they're always happy to, can I change your wiper blades for you? And then they've got the cost to change the wiper blades and then the the price of the wiper blades that they'll sell you, which may possibly be more than you could get if you went to a, a different auto parts store. And you can get parts, different uh, quality parts. You need to watch that, too, as a lot of people buy parts offline, and you just got to know what 
what you're getting for your money. Uh, I look at it a lot of this time. If you're talking to teach people how to work on vehicles, I'm in per, to preventive maintenance, and you can prevent a lot of things if you just know how to check your vehicle, know how to uh, do minor things. And I always tell my students to go to the owner's manual, and if you go to the owner's manual, you can find a lot of stuff for what the manufacturer wants you to do at certain times. See, folks, it's not just Allison that says read your owner's manual first. Here we've got Charlie Melton from the Clinton uh, High School Career Complex, and he's telling everybody, read your owner's manual. If you have a used car, contact the dealer, contact the manufacturer. A lot of times they'll give you a new owner's manual for free. Uh, you need to make sure you've got your owner's manual, and if you're if you're driving somewhere and you're not the driver, if you're riding somewhere, you know, just peruse your owner's manual while you're making a trip. And you can get on the uh, internet and you can find a lot of uh, sites that will give you information about your vehicle. A lot of forums out there talking about if you have some type of problem that you can uh, type in and it will help you as well. I make sure that my students go to forums and read because sometimes other people have already figured out the problem and it's easier if you just go by what somebody else, else says sometime. I've liked that too. Sometimes you learn little tips and tricks about your vehicle by going to an owner's forum right. for your specific uh, make of car and your your brand, they may have you know figured something that you know the the dealer or whoever sold you your car didn't know. Right. So we start looking at different types of vehicles today. Most vehicles today have all the computers. Now that makes it hard because I know a lot of people used to go to salvage yards and get parts for their car. Today, the parts are made exactly for that car you cannot interchange parts in a salvage yard for other parts in a car now they had to be reprogrammed uh, you know we're getting better cars but <laughs> sometimes that means things are a little bit more expensive more for them. Expensive. but then the cars last so much longer now well we used to have vehicles that lasted about 50 60,000 miles now we have vehicles that last hundreds of thousand miles i got one that has 338,000 miles on a toyota camry right I think I wasn't paying attention, and I went past the 222,222 miles. I noticed when it was 223, like one mile ago. Man, I wish I'd taken a picture of it. That's right. You know, so you just maintain the vehicle, do the maintenance on it, and these vehicles will last a long time. Let's go back to our topic. What are what's a, another easy repair that someone could do uh, to save themselves some money? I think a change in hoses on the car for the radiator hoses. That'd be another thing that you could change, and to change the coolant, pretty good. But you want to make sure that the engine is completely cool before you change the radiator hoses, or even open up the radiator cap. You want to make sure that it's completely cool. What would you look for? How would you know you might need to change a radiator hose? Uh, it would get soft and it uh, could crack and soft, and sometimes they're hard. So there's several different things that you can look for on that to make sure. And when would you need to open the radiator to add coolant? First of all, you should never have to add coolant unless there is a leak. Oh, okay. Right. Now, you do replace the coolant at a certain uh, interval, but you should never have to add coolant if it's not leaking. Okay. You can send us an email. 
to, for our show, auto at mpbonline.org, just anytime. What's an unreliable car not to buy? We're going to get to that after the break. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Hey there, it's David Green. You know, there comes a time when you've just got to let go of that old vehicle. Maybe it has lots of great memories, but it's also maybe just taking up space. And selling it can be such a hassle. So here's one thought. Let this station take that vehicle off your hands. Proceeds from the sale benefit this station, and you could get a tax break. Thanks. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. We have Charlie Melton from the Clinton High School Career Complex as my guest today. Thank you for your contributions to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You, uh, we couldn't do this without y'all. You can our contributions. We rely on them to pay for our national programming and keep our high standards. And you can make your contributions on the MPB Public Media app. That's also the way you can listen to our show and listen to our podcasts. Now, carcomplaints.com is a resource for unreliable car information. Today, we're going to caution you about the 2013 Nissan Ultima. There were a lot of reported engine problems with that particular make and model. Consumer Reports also lists vehicles that have a record of much worse than average overall reliability based on subscriber responses to their annual auto survey. So please consider reading up on the reliability of any used car before you purchase it. If you're interested in reviews of new cars, Casey Williams is the automotive correspondent for WFYI, a public radio station in Indianapolis. He's reviewed cars and covered the auto industry for over 25 years, not quite as long as Charlie has been a mechanic. And his reviews this week are on the 2020 Subaru Outback Touring and the 2021 EV Hummer. So we know EV is electric vehicle. The 20, just saying that kind of in the 21 model cars. is different. <laughs> We're talking about easy vehicle repair this hour, but we also want to take your phone calls. So let's go to George in Columbus. George, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Would you please review how to jumpstart a vehicle from another vehicle? 
Okay, jump and start a vehicle from another vehicle. There are several different ways. Um, there are some batteries that are in the back of the vehicle that are in the yeah. trunk that you cannot get to to jump it off. And on that type of vehicle, you would have a positive post in the under the hood, and you would have a negative post under the hood, just a stud sticking up where you would take and jump it off. But let me tell you how to jump it off any type of car. Uh, you take a set of jumper cables, and now you can go buy jumper cables that are real cheap that are that won't do a good job or you can buy you a good set of jumper cables but you always go from positive to positive that means go from the good car that you're using to jump off to the positive on the bad car then you go to the negative on the good car and you go to the frame on the bad car now, the reason why I'm telling you go to the frame, because the first thing, as soon as you hit, hook that negative up to that uh, bad battery, it's going to spark. And a car puts off hydrogen at the time when it sparks, and, you know, hydrogen is flammable. So you want to be very careful there. But it's just from positive to positive, negative, and then to ground because the battery is connected to ground. So very simple, but you you never want to make sure you want to make sure that you do not cross the jumper cables where you put negative on positive or you'll blow the fuse, uh, the main fuse in the car. And then you will have more trouble. Does it have any effect on the computers in the car? If you um, Reverse polarity, it will. That means if you don't, if you put the negative on the positive when it doesn't supposed to, it could blow up the computer as well, burn the computer out. But that's what that fuse is for, that 175 amp fuse, to help you protect that as well. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thanks, George. We appreciate you calling in. And now they have gizmos that you can carry around in your car. A, a, what do they call it? A jump box or a jump something? Box. Yes, it is. It's the same thing as a set of jumper cables, but you'd have to do the exact same thing. Okay. That I guess if you if you had a if you wanted to be the good Samaritan, or if uh, you had an iffy battery but didn't quite want to go get it uh, replaced yet, you could carry that around. You could carry that around and use it to jump your vehicle off, yes. Or if your house looks like a used car showroom and you have five cars in your house <laughs> and there's always somebody's battery is about to go, it's you know might be good to That's have good that to around have. the house. I uh, got one of those in my vehicle for that same reason. Excellent, excellent. Let's talk a little bit about what you could do for your tires what are some repairs you could do for your tires or what are some good ways to maintain your tires so you don't need a repair i think we neglect our tires quite often is that uh we don't know how to air them up uh, people look at the sidewall of the tire, and it says 44 pounds per square inch PSI, and that's how much they put in it. But that is not how much those tires uh, carry. If you open the driver's door and you look on the door, there is a sticker that will tell you exactly how much air to put in your tires. Because if you underinflate a tire, it will wear on the inside and outside of the tire. If you overinflate the tire, it's going to wear on the middle of the tire. So you really need to be careful. Just don't always go by that uh little light in the car that says has a flat tire on it you might want to just check check those every time and always fill the tire up when you air a tire up always do it when it's cold because the air expands when it gets hot all right and that little plate there that's also where you can find your vin number for your car you can find the vin number for that and I always tell my students that 
even though the VIN number is there, always look on the dash for the VIN number because somebody could change the door and it would be a different VIN number. Ooh, all right. Okay. But if it's your car and you know your door hasn't been changed out and you want to find out about if your car has had a recall, that's one place where you could find the VIN number. Sure. Sometimes that's a little easier to see than kind of looking through the glass. For and the, there are the a lot of times now that manufacturers put the VIN number on your glass and oh, uh-huh. different parts of the car. Okay. Oh. I have to say, I'm going to go ahead and admit it. I was in a hurry, and I let them talk me into etching my VIN number in the glass at the dealer, which, you know, I probably didn't need to do that. I didn't need to. I paid, so you don't have to. Do not pay the dealer to etch your VIN number into the glass. Don't pay extra for that. You don't. You don't need to do that. Okay, <laughs> let's go to Wayne County. V, thanks for calling in today. Go ahead. Yes. Would you explain the procedure to change the driver's side outside mirror? And the next question, what instrument and size um, to change the engine filter on the Toyota Camry? Okay, first let's go to the glass because it sounds like uh, maybe the mirror has been knocked off or the glasses fell out of the mirror. So if that's the case, what happens is that inside the door, it has to come out. You had to open the door, take the panel off of the door, or maybe just the little panel at the edge of the door on the inside. And then there's three bolts in there that will you take loose and then you can replace that mirror but the only thing on the mirror you have to have that mirror painted the outside of it has to be painted because they usually just come in black so you'd have to have it painted to your car but it's a pretty simple job if you know how to take that panel off and a lot of panels have clips on it and if it's an older model car those clips break and then a lot of uh, panels you had to pull up on them in order to get them off so you need to be very careful with the panel and then, I, yes. Excuse me. Where would I find the the instrument? To, I see three screws here, bolts like. Yeah, they. Uh, okay, now you probably they're probably torque hid, and that means they're a six point type of screw, not a Phillips. And at that type, you just have to go buy this uh, certain type of tool to take those off. The name? Uh, they're called torque hid. T o r x, torque. And they come in either from a T-15 all the way up to a T-55. Sure. And yours is about probably a T-15 or a T-25 on that particular car. Hang on, V. Uh, We haven't had them on the show yet, but I understand AutoZone often will allow you to rent tools. Could Could someone rent a torque Screw? What did you call it? A uh, torque bit a or torque, torque screw? Screw. Bit. Do you yeah. think is that rentable? Or no, is that's it? that's too cheap. It's, oh, okay. It's something that costs you probably about ten dollars to buy. Oh, okay, okay. And then what was what was your other question, V? The the side view mirror? Oh, the engine filter. The engine filter. What instrument um, size? Um, um, instrument to change there's a boat two boats on the outside of the engine filter cover so what size instrument that's probably a 10 millimeter uh socket uh that's usually the size they use to put those covers on a 10 millimeter 
asked for a 10 millimeter socket. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You're so welcome. Oh, V, we're glad that you've called in. We've got another call. Let's go to uh, Renee in Utica. Renee, how are you doing today? Thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. All right. Okay, I have two little short, simple questions. One, I would like to know how often should you check your tire pressure? And two, is it necessary to check your oil level every month? What uh, year is your car? 2007. Now, 2007, it has a uh, tire pressure monitoring system on it where the little no. light comes on in the dash. Does it have that? Mine doesn't have that. Okay, so if it doesn't have that, I would check it once a month. Okay. Just to make sure that the air pressure, because what happens is that over time, air pre- the air will leak out of the tire, and that is one of the reasons that uh, dealerships and manufacturers went to nitrogen in their tires is because it don't leak out as fast. And so the oxygen does leak out. So I've checked that every month. Okay. And what about checking the oil? Your oil should be checked every month as well, or even often. If you have an oil leak, if you think you have an oil leak, I would check it more often. But I would check it once a month if you don't know anything's wrong with it, because the engine could be burning a little oil at 2007. That's, quite a, that's several years back, so it could be burning a little bit. So I would check it about every month. All right. Thank you. Thanks. So now, for Renee, when, or when anyone is going to check their tire pressure, you know, they've got the little caps. It's important, question mark, to make sure you put the little cap back on? That's called the valve stem cap, and they come in black and green. Green is nitrogen. Oh, okay. So you know what that cap is, and black is just regular air. Okay. Now, a lot of people take it back to the dealership to put uh, nitrogen in a tire. You can replace the air with, I mean, that nitrogen with air, even though it has nitrogen in it. Okay. But you want to make sure you put a cap back on top of the valve stem because like if a rock or something got in there rock or dirt and uh would get in there and push down on the core and it would come air would come out yes all right so make sure you have the cap on it make sure you have the cap on it okay renee thank you all right thanks let's take uh one more call before our break let's go to tupelo bradley thanks for calling in today go ahead oh hello i I was wondering, how do you evaluate a used car, an older one? Well, this is what I would do if I had that, Bradley. I would take the car. First of all, I would check the oil in it and see what the oil looks like. If it's thick and uh, the viscosity is real thick in it, then black. Now, not necessarily just because it's black don't mean that it's bad. It just hasn't been changed for a while. But you don't make sure that it didn't look like uh, chocolate milk because it looked like chocolate milk. That means you have water in the oil. So you want to be very careful about that. You want to check your shocks, uh, look for any rust on the vehicle underneath the vehicle and uh, just really look and visualize it first and I think that's the first thing you need to do is check everything out open the hood look at it make sure everything works and then uh, test drive it and see how it feels and then if it feels good then get it on the highway and let's see how the transmission drives and check the transmission fluid now when I say check the fluids and the transmission fluids you want to make sure that you check transmission fluid while it's hot and if it smells, you pull the dipstick out, and if it smells burnt, then I wouldn't get that vehicle because that means something's wrong with the transmission most of the time. Okay. If you take the radiator cap and there's a white, oily-looking substance in there, 
I wouldn't get the vehicle neither, dude. There could be oil leaking somewhere into the coolant system. So there's a lot of different ways uh, that you could check it out to make sure that you're not going to get uh, a bad car. Wow, I should have been taking notes. Um, <laughs> thank you. Well, Bradley, um, you'll be able to hear this show again. We post all of our shows uh, multiple different ways. It'll be on our website, which is autocorrect.mpbonline.org, and then it's also available as a podcast. So if you have a smart device, a phone, or a tablet, if it's an Apple product, it'll already have a podcasting platform. If it's Android, you can download one, and if you just look for our podcasts autocorrect it'll be up this afternoon where you can hear it again and uh, if that fails you could send us an email our address is auto at mpbonline.org and we'll send you the link where you could just listen to it on your computer all right you're welcome so charlie if you're buying a used car from a used car dealer, you can't evaluate the previous owner. You can evaluate the car, but not the previous owner. If you are buying it from a person, that way you could eat and you see chocolate milk or whatever, you can kind of see how they treated it. So is it kind of a, a look at the car and look at the way it was treated? I would think that would be a lot of the ways that you could evaluate uh, if it's a one-car owner, if it's uh, been going through three or four different owners because different people drive different ways. Uh, you could check it that way as well. But you really just wanted to see how mechanical sound the vehicle is. Uh, I usually, like, personally myself, I would not buy a car if it had over 150,000 miles on it. That's just my opinion. You know, other people will buy them with more, but most of the time, less than 150,000 miles on them. And if you check the, oh, what do you call it? Not the credit report. What do you call it? Like the, the, facts. the, 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 fa- car, the facts. car facts. You can see how many people have owned it. Right. And you can see if there was any body damage. You can't really see if there's any mechanical problems, but you can see if there was any accidents on the car or whatever. We're discussing easy car repairs. We're also taking your repair questions. You can send us an email, auto at mpbonline.org. What's in the news? We'll let you know in just a bit. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Here's a new car review from Casey Williams. It's Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. Whether your safari takes you across town or down dusty trails, the vehicle we have this week is ready for it. It's a 2021 Land Rover Defender 90. Well, the exterior styling takes a lot of classic design cues, like the round headlamps, big wheels, and the floating safari roof, but it's all streamlined and looks very modern. Inside, the blend of modern and rugged continues. You've got rubber floor mats, but you also got heated seats, a folding fabric roof, all the crash avoidance systems, and Meridian Audio. Under the hood, it's a three-liter supercharged inline six-cylinder engine, delivering 395 horsepower, plenty to get this down the trails. You also got air suspension system to raise it up, and a terrain management system. All of this, of course, comes at a price. It starts just under $48,000, but ours, the first edition, comes to $66,475. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey, and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. 
On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is AutoCorrect, just one of the 15 call-in shows on MPB Think Radio. One place to find our program is our website, autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Here's what's in the news, and I think they may have already talked about this on Everyday Tech, but a bill was filed in the Vermont legislature that would make some of the characters customizable uh, option for license plates, uh, and if the bill passes, Vermont would be the first state in the USA to allow emojis hmm. on their license plates. That's very neat. So it's unclear which emojis are included in the proposition, but the most popular emojis in general are the face with tears of joy, the red heart, the smiley face, and the rolling on the floor laughing face, according to Unicode, Consor- Unicode Consortium which sets the international standards for characters, including emojis. So I'm Liz Gill. We've got Charlie Melton from Clinton High School's Career Complex. Charlie, we did get an email. Saw, uh, Carrie sent in. They have a 20, uh, no, they have a 1994 Chevy truck with a 6.5 turbo diesel engine. And they said it's all it's doing is blowing black smoke. I've replaced the fuel filter, and it is not skipping. I don't know what else to do. Well, on a diesel, that's a lot of things. On a diesel, if you replace the uh, fuel filter, it could be injectors that are leaking, and when uh, injectors leak, that means it's putting more fuel down there and means that the vehicle's running real rich. That means it's burning a whole bunch of fuel. It could be in the injectors. What I would do first is go ahead and get you some uh, seafoam that is a chemical that you can put down in your fuel system or injector cleaner and it will clean those injectors for you and that may stop all that smoke coming through there and the next thing i would do after that you know it's a little bit more technical is start talking about the uh turbo system on that all right let's take our last call it is uh lehman from mcgee arkansas hey my husband's from dumas we drive up there through uh, greenville and lake village all the time going to uh my mom's house in russell and on petty jean uh go ahead lehman thanks for calling into autocorrect Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to speak to the mechanic. Yeah, well, not speak to him. He was talking about cars with lots, lots of mileage on them. Yes. I have a 2001 uh, Kia Spectre that I bought with 46,000 miles on it. I've got exactly 335,000 miles on it now. I've changed oil exactly twice in it. 
I've never changed the, the fluid in the filter and the transmission. And those cars will hold up. They'll last forever if you just take care of them. And I drive hard. I drive 70 and 80 miles an hour everywhere I go. And you've only changed the oil twice? Only changed my oil twice. Uh, when I got it, it had 46 miles on it. I changed it at about 100,000, about 90,000. The first oil change that they told me to change it. And then after that, I didn't change it no more until I had about 150,000 miles on the car. So they told you to change the oil at 90,000 miles? No, they said I, I, I lost what I was my, my fault then. But uh, I changed the oil. When I got the car, it, it had 46 miles on it. When I changed it again, it had probably 3,000 miles on it. Right. And I didn't change it no more. I use Mobile One all, constantly all the time. And I changed it again at 100,000 miles. And uh, now I got 335,000 miles on it. And it hasn't been changed since. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. You are one lucky son of a gun that for that car to last that long with uh, not changing the oil. Because most cars today are anywhere between uh, 7,500 and 13,000 miles. And that's a most likely uh, Ford trucks and all those uh, diesels change at 15,000 is the most. So you're very fortunate. Those, like I say, uh, if you keep running it like that, hey, I hope that thing goes a half million miles. Lehman from McGee with the magic car. <laughs> we, we are glad you have that special one, but nobody else needs to do that. But thank you so much for sharing that with us. 335,000 miles. That's a lot. Well, Charlie, we're so glad that you've been with us. And now who's listening to this show today? Well, I just want to give a shout out to my students, uh, Ryan Holloway and my entire class, because they're all anticipating listening to this later tomorrow. Go Arrows. That's Go Arrows. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be, this will be a great show. Had a lot of good content on what you need to do to get your car fixed up, what you can do yourself. Anytime. All right. This is going to wrap us up for AutoCorrect. Our call screener for today was Jay White, and our board engineer was Michelle McAdoo. Thank you, Charlie Melton from Clinton High School. You're such a good sport for coming in. We really appreciate it. I'm Liz Gill, and we hope you'll join us each Thursday at 10 a.m. for AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.